Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. While 2020 has certainly been unprecedented, it has not stopped the work of reaching children and youth with the gospel. You are one of our partners. You have given, you have prayed, you have stepped up to ensure that generations to follow will come to know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the gospel. Today, I want you to meet Charlie, a remarkably generous guy who, along with his wife, Nettie, have been deeply invested in child discipleship for their entire lives. Today, we're going to talk about Awana. We're going to talk about giving to Awana. But no matter what your familiarity with Awana is or whether or not you're already a donor, I hope you take the time to listen to this entire conversation. Your story may not sound like Charlie's, but I know that you care about child discipleship and the future of the faith because otherwise you wouldn't be listening. I hope you find this conversation as enjoyable as I did. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. When, when Nettie and I were actually expecting our first child, and that's 47 years ago now, or a little over that. Okay. Um, you know, it became apparent and very important to us that uh, we had had to start off on the right foot with our child. Uh, one of the main things we wanted to make sure, even before he was born, is that he would go to heaven when he died. So Amen. it was so important that sometime during that, as soon as possible, that our son Wes would come to know Christ as his Savior. And of course, our daughter Stephanie came along a little about three and a half years later, and and. Uh, and she has accepted Christ as well as her Savior. And that was such a big issue. And so really our passion for having not only our children, but other children come to know the Lord and come to be disciples of Christ uh, started very early uh, in our marriage. Okay. But it, I'd say two years after we were married, our, our son was born. So, so very early. Yeah. Now, would you... You know, around here, we would call that being a child advocate, right? Like you and your wife clearly have been invested in child discipleship, like you just said, from the get-go. But you are someone who's sustained it now for decades. Was that just something that God put in you? Like, did you know you always wanted to be a dad? Like, when did that begin to become clear to you that this was an assignment that the Lord wanted you to pay attention to? I think sometime in my high school high school years, and then when I met my High school sweetheart, uh, sweetheart, excuse me, Nettie. Um, so we both had that as a goal. She had a large family of six. I had a family of four. I was blessed, and so was she, to uh, have Christian a Christian uh, family and Christian upbringing. So it, it's something that we actually went into our marriage, you know, before we had before we had children, and so on, to that whatever we did would be for the sake of uh, our growth in Christ and whoever we, you know, our children and anybody else that we had an effect on, it'd be an effect for Christ. That that was our goal all along. And and as we got older, we uh, started teaching in uh, teaching children's church in Sunday school at, at our church. And, and I'm talking about right after, not long after our, our son was born, 
So we have been teaching Sunday school since that time. Because of the effect of seeing kids grow in Christ over time, when my son-in-law and my daughter brought Awana to our church 15, well, 16 years ago now, uh, when they brought it 16 years ago, uh, seeing the effect that Awana had upon those kids so much, was so much similar to what we were doing and teaching Sunday school and, and even more. So that that desire to to train children up to follow Christ was a desire of ours early on, and then Awana really took it to a whole uh, different level. The things that they do at Awana are just so much greater than we ever learned as kids. So obviously, 16 years ago, when we saw what what they were doing at our church. Yeah. We both got on board full speed ahead with Awana. <laughs> And I'm so glad you did, because what stands out to me about that in particular, Charlie, is that this was a passion of yours. This was some vision that you got from the Lord, but that you and your wife found ways to stay focused on that mission and stay focused on that calling, frankly, that began to look, you know, it looked different as your kids grew up. It looked different as you became grandparents and had, you know, adult children, but you have always stayed focused on this idea of child discipleship is important to you. And I think it stands in contrast to a lot of conversation around the church where child discipleship can often feel like something that happens in a children's wing down the hall or in the basement or wherever we can find space for them. And you guys have always cared about this and have made tremendous investments in making sure that kids everywhere can have the same kind of experience that your own children did of being discipled to know and love the Lord. That's exactly right, Ross. In fact, as a grandparent now, when I think back on my um, first exposure to Christ himself, uh, meaning when I first heard about him, when he became the most important person in my life, it started with my grandmother. When I was a, a very small child, my grandmother, of course, my mother too, but Every time we went to visit my grandmother during the summers, uh, she would tell us about Jesus. I mean, that was the subject, whether we wanted to hear about it or not. <laughs> um, and she, she was the she was the head of the cafeteria at the little school where that she worked, and the people knew her as the Jesus lady. Nice. So I I think back on. You know, where did it all really start? It actually started way before we were married, if you want to think about it. It started with my uh, grandparents. So now that I'm a grandparent, the idea of seeing what it did for me and what it's done for my kids, what it's done for my grandkids, and and, and also what it's going to do for the generations to come uh, as people enter the new trials that this, that this whole world faces, it's even more important. So. Anyway, that's that's where our passion is. Hopefully, it's growing and continue to to the good Lord takes us home. Amen to that. And I think what's you touch on what I want to bring up next, which is essentially the future of the faith. Right around here, we use language like the Church of 2050, and how today's kids are going to lead not only the Church of 2050 but the overall culture. Right, the world's going to need more resilient disciples to be leaders right. in, the, in the world of 2050. Now you were someone who was helping making that future happen. So I want to sort of do a good news, bad news, but 
what scares you about the world that your grandchildren are growing up in and investing and heading into, you know, what, when you look at the, the world you grew up in compared to the world that they are facing, you know, how would you begin to define and diagnose uh, the ways, the issues that they're going to face that maybe you didn't face growing up? Well, it, it's real easy to, to see if you turn on a, um, a television set, if you watch anything in the news, while we see God is, is in control, he still is going to allow us to, I believe, to, to partake in what we're giving out. Mm. And so when you look to see what the, the world is doing, I see these kids in 2050 of having such a hard time um, because their battle is not going to get easier. I can only imagine 2050. So our battle from that, look, and that scares me. Yeah. That that scares me that are we going to do a good enough job preparing our kids to take on that battle? It's going to be so important. Absolutely. And I think, too, it's so important, the kind of work that you're doing with your kids, your grandkids, the children in your community, the children that are benefiting from your investment in Awana now, because we want those tools to exist now, right? We know that the vast majority of believers come to know Jesus between the ages of four and 14, right? That, that research has been around for decades. So we know that we need to equip them now for the world that they're going to face. That's going to be increasingly hostile to the gospel. But what scares me more about it is, is making sure that my wife and I continue to make choices to lean in, right? To lean into that work, not pretending to know all the answers, not pretending to know what will happen because she will face, my daughter and my son will face issues that are, that haven't even been invented yet, right? To your point about how quickly things are changing, but to continue to stay engaged in their discipleship, because I think especially for younger parents, there's a temptation to become overwhelmed and to disengage no doubt about it. Um, the great news I feel is we've been, like, like I said a while ago, we've been working with Awana, my wife and I, for 16 years. And b- being a part of it on a day to day basis reminds, or, or I guess expresses um, to me more and more that what they're doing is right. Mm. That that they are doing a phenomenal job. Right? Everybody that's playing a role in Awana, from uh, churches, you know, from commanders at the churches to team leaders, and and even the kids that are helping there, it's a phenomenal job that they're doing. So I think it, if if any church would come to know what Awana is doing, oh, that that one Awana at their church because <laughs> it, it has that much impact. I know it does at ours. Yeah. Um, just playing a role in it day to day, though, is, is what imp- what impresses me most. Yeah. I want to talk about that impact because I think the the other side of the question I just asked you is is what encourages you about the future of the faith? You know, what are you seeing in the kids now that actually gives you hope that although the world will undoubtedly become increasingly hostile to the gospel, that they are going to be equipped to lead it? Well, what, watching them, again, my feelings uh, about this come from playing a role. I'm, I'm a, what is called a substitute at my, uh, at my church. So okay. every week I participate as a leader, but I usually get a different set of kids there. And because I'm a substitute and because I see so many different children, 
uh, memorizing scripture and and basically uh, explaining themselves the different things that they're learning uh, from the Bible. Uh, those are the kind of things that gives me that uh, helps me feel really good about what about what's happening there. In other yeah. words, it's amazing to watch them memorize scripture and quote scripture. If I could do that good, even right now, it'd be amazing. <laughs> but they're but they're, they're they're not just memorizing it; they're enthusiastic about what they're learning, yeah. and they can explain what they learned. And it's not just quoting scripture, but it's it's being able to quote it and being able to explain what the Bible means. It, 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 so I think people that are experiencing that, and watching kids do this kind of thing. Are going to be are understanding that Awana is having such an impact on these kids, and will, and will continue. Amen. You know, it's, what I hope people hear from this sort of first part of this conversation, Charlie, is that although you know we can talk about, I kind of feel sometimes, Charlie, like my job is mostly to talk about how great Jesus is, and then today I get to talk about how cool you and your wife are, right? But the fact that um, you guys have been as generous as you have is obviously something that is is worth celebrating. But everything that you've said, I know I've heard from people regardless of their financial investment in Awana or regardless of their investment in child discipleship anyway, right? You've talked about, you know, your concerns about the future. You've talked about your commitment to Jesus. And those are things that no matter what your resources look like now, everybody who's listening to this feels those same concerns. Now you and your wife have made tremendous uh, decisions to be generous with investing in that future of the faith. Now I know when I look at how my wife and I are stewarding our resources, there's often that voice that goes off. It's like, well, wait, hold on before you give that money there. What if something happens here, right? What if somebody gets sick? What if the car breaks down? What if any laundry list of things that can be in the short term that might prevent me from being as generous as God might be calling me to be. How have you and your wife been able to sort of keep that long game in mind that the child discipleship is worth it and worth any sort of potential short-term risk? Well, to me, it, it starts with understanding who that money or those resources belong to. Um, they don't belong to you and I. They, they, the, the Lord owns it. And he gives us the ability to manage it. So all, if you think about it that way, what we're doing is we're giving back some portion of what he's given us to manage. Amen. And, and the other side of it is, are we giving to an organization or to something that's going to further his kingdom? And when I look at Awana, I look at a hundred something year old organization that for that whole time it's been successful for the Lord. It has been, and it is doing great things. It's going to do great things. Honestly, I cannot think of a better investment financially, time-wise, spiritually, any way that I can invest. I can't see a better thing than in something that's well-founded already. I can't start something like that for sure at my age. So, you know, it's already here, and yeah. it's a wonderful organization. It, the proof is is there not only here in the United States, but throughout the world. 
So my wife, Nettie, and I have felt it. We see it. We experience it. And we know that it's definitely something for what God has given us to manage worth investing in. So we'll continue to do that as long as God provides us the ability to do so. Let's talk about moms. We know the impact a mom can make in her home, community, and the kingdom of God. We know that when a mom encounters Jesus, it's exponential discipleship because her family does as well. And for nearly 50 years, Mops International has used the common experience of motherhood to create opportunities for women and their families to encounter Jesus. They partner with churches and organizations like Awana worldwide to equip and encourage moms in more than 70 countries. Through their ministry, they remind women that they're not alone, that motherhood is significant, and that Jesus calls them beloved. In addition, they give them the tools they need so that moms can thrive and feel equipped to disciple the next generation in Christ's name. As Mops approaches a half century of impact, they recognize that shifting cultural norms and a global pandemic are creating a pivotal moment of opportunity. Moms are more isolated and stressed than ever before. We all know that moms need community now more than ever. Whether you're a mom or you just know a mom, I want you to join Mops. I want you to support the moms in your community. By serving or donating, you are offering hope and introducing moms to Jesus. Visit mops.org to learn more. Folks who are still going to be engaged in the podcast at this point, I hope what they understand is that as much as I would love for this to be a commercial about how great Awana is, right? That what you're talking about is how important child discipleship is, right? And how important this mission is. And then we take, you know, the, the tools that Awana provides and we hand them not only to people like you, but people like your son-in-law and your, and your daughter and people who are going to be able to implement those tools for child discipleship. I think it's sometimes it's, it's almost funny to me when people ask, you know, well, Hey, is it okay if I do this? Cause it's slightly different than what was written in the curriculum. And I feel like every time I want his response is, yeah, of course do it. Like do whatever you need to do to disciple the kids in your community. And you as someone who has been so generous with your, with your financial resources are also doing that. And I'm curious, people may sometimes feel like there's a disconnect, right? That there's a, you talked about how you're a substitute and you're still involved um, in, you know, you're in discipleship with the kids directly. But I also know that sometimes people may feel like that's the thing to do. And that writing a check is almost a, a, a passive thing, but yet you have, how do you distinguish between those investments? Cause I would argue that this mission is so important that we just need everybody to do whatever they can to further the kingdom. And you are someone who's done both, but is that a false choice that I'm making? Like how, how do you begin to lean into the importance of a becoming a financial partner with an organization that has a mission like Awana? Well, Ross, I, I'm not an expert, but I, I ran a business for 40 something years. Yeah. And so uh, any organization included Awana uh, has to have funds to operate. So it's, Sometimes we don't like to talk about those things, but 
that's a necessary uh, thing. In fact, I believe that God set it up that way. Mm-hmm. And so, so while we give spiritually and we give of our time uh, with, with the kids, it's very important that we give financially, that that's just as important to us because if we don't do that, that organization, um, that company or whatever we're ha- having to be supporting will not be here to do so. So anyway, that that's that's where my beliefs come. Basically, because I, I ran a business so long, <laughs> is that it takes it takes funds to do it. But it's 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 not something I, that you uh, you do begrudgingly. It's yeah. something that just like spend the time with them to think. You know, when I think about what is happening on the other side of the world, that some of the money that I give is going to go uh, to help some of these kids in Africa that uh, Valerie was talking about one day on a, a presentation you guys were given. Mm-hmm. She was talking about the effect that it was having on the kids there in Africa, not only in the churches, but it was having such a profound effect on the kids that in the schools they wanted to want to come in there because when you bring Christ in, in there and kids really start experiencing who Christ is in their lives, it changes their lives. Amen. So, Seeing that kind of thing is, I know it takes money to get over and do that. And if 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 people are going to have to give money, and if I have that money, <laughs> it's God, remember, then I, there's no reason I shouldn't give some of it. And and, and I don't give, just say, well, give some of it. I, I said that wrong. But to give from my heart, yeah. like, like anything else, it's a sacrifice to everybody that does, but it's one that, that the return is so much greater than, than uh, just something normal that you would invest in. It's, yeah. it's his life for all of eternity. Amen. All of eternity. And one of the things that I see too, Charlie, is that folks who are like you, who are child advocates and have been for their entire life, although you know earlier you shared about your concerns for the future of the faith, there's a hope in what you in everything that you describe, right? You have caught on to the hope that comes with working with kids that is contagious and permeates in every area. And I, you know, I ultimately would just call part of the light of the Holy spirit that combats the darkness that we feel like is coming up against the future of the faith. You know, for many, many years, Nettie and I didn't have any extra money at all. My, my job was successful one day and hard luck, (laughs) hard times the next. Sure. So I did, I, but we always felt, we've always felt that it was God's money. So when we were investing, what we were doing, as I mentioned earlier, we're taking part of what he gave us, whether it was $100 or $10 or, or 10000 it was, it basically, it was based on what he gave us. And, and the, yeah. you, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. In other words, it was strictly from him. It was his money, and all I was doing is giving it back. And we've always felt that way. Sometimes it was harder than others to part with it because, <laughs> you know, we had growing up children and, you know, children growing up and things like that. But, um, you know, you always find room to pay for what you really want or what you think is most important. You always do. Oh, uh, man. If you're, you know, 
some people are very poor and, and obviously are not in the same situation as we are, but but we've always been in that situation where it was a choice for us. And sometimes it was $10, but other times it's been more. <laughs> you had to learn about the global impact a ministry like Awana has, right? You knew what Awana was uh, for your church for in uh, through the context that it was presented to you. But then you began to learn that, oh, this is something that really has a broader reach than I previously heard. I've experienced that through and through. I've been at Awana for a little over a year now. And every time someone finds out that I work at Awana, it, I'm usually met with, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I just thought that was something my church did in a basement. And yet, <laughs> and yet it's an organization that's in uh, 126 countries. What was that process like for you? How What did that education look like? Because I would imagine that even folks who are invested in this podcast might not quite understand the reach that um, our mission of child discipleship has. Well, I think my understanding of, of what goes on globally, if, if, if I understood you correctly, mostly started from just reading uh, the, the uh, uh, newsletters sure. and things like that. And plus, from time to time at our church, um, Justin, my son-in-law, who is the commander there, will we'll talk a little bit about the kids and, and what's going on internationally. But again, I think the thing that had the most impact upon us was a, um, and I'm not sure when it was, probably six months or so ago, Valerie and, and the other members of leadership talked about what was going on throughout the rest of the world. I'd already been hearing about it, but what that did is really made it real for us. Mm. It magnified the understanding that we had. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I just, I feel okay. like folks, Awana has done such a good job historically at, in, at partnering with the local church. Right. right and right. we have, we are a servant to the local church in that regard. Um, but what happens when that is your posture and is undoubtedly a correct posture is that folks who hear about Awana are hearing it through the context of their local church. And then you wind up not necessarily understanding that this thing that serves your community is also serving a broader community and child discipleship globally as well. Because when I think about your story, Charlie, and the, the fact that you and your wife have been invested in this for your entire adult lives, I know that that is a story that is also true for grandparents in Africa, right? I know it's, a, it's you know, and the fact that uh, Awana exists and can bring stories like that together can bring people like that united under the kingdom together is one of my one of my favorite things about working here because i know that as much as it's been as great as this talk to you that i could talk to so many different people who are just like you who god is using in different ways to try to invest and care for what we always like to say are today's generation of kids have the potential to be the greatest generation of disciples this world has ever seen I, I agree. I agree with that. I just, again, watching the kids at, uh, just at our church and what I read about in, in uh, the newsletters and everything that I hear uh, from Moana, it, it's having an unbelievable effect upon the kids all over the world. You mentioned a while ago the grandparents over there, the parents and grandparents that, uh, that some of them are in an environment to where it's it's scary 
and, and potentially life-threatening to even mention the word Jesus yeah. uh, to tell people about Christ at all. But yet people are hungry uh, in those in those nations for, for what we're talking about right now with, with Awana. Absolutely. Well, and it's something that, again, no matter what, folks who are listening to us talk, Charlie, no matter what their resources look like, it's something that we all can participate in, right? You know, uh, I have I have not run a successful business for, I forget how long you exactly said, 40 some odd years, right? That's, that is, uh, I, and frankly, I don't think I would. I don't, I don't know if I have that in me, Charlie. That's, that's a separate Good podcast. Um, but yet it is something that I can also participate in because I know that you know, I can invest in the lives of my kids. I can invest in the lives of kids in my community and I can financially invest in the lives of kids who otherwise wouldn't be given the same opportunities. Now you are someone who clearly, uh, a legacy is something that is very important to you. And you are someone who has made so much of your life's work being investing in the lives of kids and it seems like to me, you know, you and I have known each other all of about 30 minutes, right? But it seems like to me that your legacy is child discipleship and it's something that you are crafting right now. But how do you think about legacy? How do you think about your own? And maybe for people who are listening, what do you think that they should be thinking about with their own legacy? Well, we, we all have a legacy of some type, whether it's good or bad. And hopefully as Christians, uh, our real desire, our main legacy, legacy is to do what Christ commanded us to do, and that's to make to make disciples. Um, you know, we just to give you an example, um, our grandkids, for our kids and our grandkids, all along now, we have been putting money into a trust fund sure. to help them. Our legacy financially for them is to help them in the future to live a more comfortable life and so on, or whatever God has for them. But in a way, it's the same way. uh, It's having a legacy here, but more important is that the difference is that legacy financially is going to end someday. But my legacy of helping to bring a child to Christ or providing the funds so that somebody else can bring them to Christ is going to last forever. Amen. When they come to Christ, it's an eternal life. And so what kind of legacy is better than that? That w- whether we spend money, we spend time, and again, whatever we do to further God's kingdom is an eternal effect on these kids. So that that's a legacy I hope that we leave, and I'm sure so many people that will want to do. It's obvious that the leaders do or you wouldn't be working like you do and making the sacrifices <laughs> that you do uh, on a regular basis. Sure. It, it comes from the love of the Lord first and then a love for these kids now and in the future. Normally this is where the credits play, but before you go, I have one more thing. If you're still listening to this, I know that that means that you are a deep fan of this podcast, this conversation, or you fell asleep. But either way, I'm glad that you're still here. This is our last episode of 2020. We'll be back early in 2021 after a few weeks off as we continue to champion this conversation around resilient child discipleship. 
make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot of great episodes and conversations coming in the beginning of the year that I can't wait for you to hear. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You've also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for listening. And thank you for all that you've done to raise up the greatest generation of disciples this world has ever seen. We'll talk to you next year. Thank you.